Hi there, just popping in at the top to warn you that this podcast episode may include some language that's inappropriate for young ears, as well as discussions of terminal illness. And as always, there will be spoilers ahead. Now enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome to Tear Jerkers, the podcast where we rate movies on a scale of how much they make us sob. Because sometimes you just need a good cry, and we're here to tell you where to find it. I'm actor, writer, and reclaimer of the term preppy, Maybelle Shimizu. And I'm cursed sad girl, Kimia. Today we'll discuss young love, paternal estrangement, and negging. It's the 1970s film Love Story. And then we'll finish with what made me cry this week. Before that, Maybelle, had you heard of Love Story before I suggested it for the podcast? Technically only in passing. Um, actually, when the movie started, I realized that I recognized the opening theme because I played it on piano a few years ago. And it wasn't until a good like 15 to 20 minutes into the movie that I realized that the song is the Love Story theme. And that I knew that because the title of the song is written on the sheet music that I learned it off Mm -hmm. of. And that's the only way that I'd ever heard of this movie before. So that was like my only reference point into this movie was just the random sheet music that I found at my parents' house. And I taught myself like years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about you? I'm like surprised that I haven't heard of it because I, I guess after... After I watched it the first time, I looked into it, and it's, like, one of those movies that people love. But I had never heard of it before. But before I really talk about the first time I watched this movie, I have to, like, kind of go into, like, the cursed sad girl part. Okay. Um, have you ever lost a partner to suicide, and then your next boyfriend gets cancer? And then he makes you watch The Notebook, and the whole time you thought The Notebook was just a rom-com that made people cry because it's emotional but actually is heart-wrenching. And he also makes you watch Love Story when you're really sleepy and you're not paying attention until suddenly it gets really sad. Um, that happened to me, and that's the story of why I'm cursed, don't date me, you're in grave danger, and also the story of why I will not watch The Notebook, because I watched it after I lost my partner to suicide and then uh, my next boyfriend had cancer. And um, it's also why I watch Love Story, and it's why I suggested it for the podcast. So here we are. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Welcome to Tear Jerkers. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that that has happened to me, but yeah, I mean, that's an important, relevant part of how you came to see this. How long ago was the first time that you watched it? Um, it was a few years ago. I am real bad at timelines. Like, I could look at my emails it's okay just an approximation is fine yeah it was a it was a couple years ago okay and then i watched it again this past week for the podcast Mm -hmm. would you like to read the synopsis sure thing so love story is about oliver barrett the fourth a wealthy harvard legacy student and his romance with scholarship student jenny cavallari a daughter of a widowed baker they meet fall in love estrange themselves from Oliver's family and money, and get married. Then Jenny gets sick and dies at 25 years old. And that's it. That's love story. Yeah, that's pretty much what happens. Should we move to our ad break? Yeah, let's take a quick break before we get into the nitty-gritty discussion. This episode of Tear Jerkers is brought to you by Movies About Two People, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. There's not really many other people going on in here yeah not a lot of other characters and i kind of like that i like that once you put it in that frame 
I have to say, I took a note at some point about how um, the movie we're discussing today has only two women in it and one of them like barely has any lines. But when you frame it as like, it's really a story about just the relationship between these two people, like that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. So this ad break actually makes me think of this movie that came out a few years ago with Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder called Destination Wedding. And they're actually the only two people who have lines the entire movie. It is literally just the two of them. Um, yeah, so if you like that kind of thing, you should check it out. I think it's available on Amazon Prime. I, I think that's where I watched it. Um, it was a few years ago, so I'm not really sure. But yeah, I, I do dig that. Like, It kind of makes me think of like plays because mm -hmm. a lot of original works with plays will have a very, very small cast and sometimes just two people. And like... Mm -hmm some great writing can come out of something like that sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. I liked it. It was, like, very intimate and very much, like, this is just about them and their little world and their little, little relationship. Mm hmm And that's it. It's just a story about their love and, like, not, not the world mm -hmm. or people as... It's not about, like, human behavior or people. It's just about Oliver and Jenny. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cute. It is. <laughs> okay. I want to talk about the show. Okay. Let's, let's I want to talk take about the it movie. back let's to talk about the, the show. Movie. Okay. Okay, Kimia. So how were you feeling when you, like, put the movie on? I mean, today I was just, or when I watched it the second time, I was just watching it for the podcast. But when I watched it the first time, I was, like, really not expecting anything. Mm -hmm. I was going to scroll on my phone and chill while this guy watches movie. Mm-hmm. I was going to half pay attention. And I missed the first, like, few lines of the movie. I, the first time I watched this movie, I missed the part. What does he say? This is a story about a girl who dies at 25. Oh. And so I did not know yeah. that that was coming the first time I watched it. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, I actually took a note of that. It was, what can you say about a 25-year-old girl who died? Yeah. That's, like, one of the first lines. And I immediately was like, oof, Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't remember go. that at all. <laughs> maybe, like, maybe I did notice that or hear that. And then I was like, oh, I'll just watch stuff on my, I'm just going to scroll on my phone while mm -hmm. you watch this sad movie. I don't want to do this. And then I ended up kind of paying attention against my will. It sucked <laughs> me in. <laughs> you got sucked in. I got sucked in. Um, and then this, this last week, I was just going to watch it for the podcast. Okay. What about you? So I'm starting to feel like at the beginning of the discussion portion, we need to have a little like my contact corner because when I put it, when I put on our movies for the podcast, the state of my contact lenses are like vital to my experience of crying. Okay. <laughs> you don't wear contacts because you're lucky enough to have flawless vision, but I've been wearing contacts since I was 10 and like... I'm very aware of how my eyes feel, like, at all times, especially okay. if I know, especially if I'm expecting to cry soon. Uh-huh. Um, so most of my notes about, like, how I'm feeling coming into a specific movie viewing for the podcast involve something or another about my contact lenses. We'll see if this holds up, but I just wanted to state, like, I think I've mentioned it before. 
again this time like my contacts were bugging me um i felt like there was something in my right eye and i told myself that i have to stop wearing my contacts in the shower because like every time i do <laughs> my eyes end up like super red and puffy and it feels not great so i have to stop doing that um but yeah i i actually took them out to watch the movie because they were bugging me so i really wanted like a nice clean like flush of my eyes like i wanted to cry a lot so that i could just flush whatever was bugging me out these are pro crying tips I, i'm a very practiced crier i think i've described myself as that before and i'll do it again as you should you deserve the title Thanks. okay so your eyeballs were primed yeah, so I came into it and immediately, like, yeah, I noticed the the line about a 25-year-old girl who died. And I was like, oh, okay, so that's what this is. Thanks for letting us know. And then my next, my next note is about how Jenny hits on Oliver mm-hmm. in the beginning of the movie. I'm, like, not really into, like, negging in modern movies, but I think it works. It's- in, in this 1970s movie. It does. I was very charmed by Jenny. Yeah. I really like her. I like her straight up saying, I like your body. Yeah. Oh my God. That's such a good line. I was like, damn. <laughs> damn, girl. You get it. Um, And like the flirting, the dialogue, the sexual tension, the smoking in a college dorm room. It was all very mm-hmm. 70s like yeah like the the interactions between our protagonists as they flirt and like kind of neg each other although it's mostly her doing the negging um Mm -hmm. it's all very 70s it works in a in a 50 year old way yeah yeah that was 50 years ago oh yeah don't think about it (laughs) (laughs) yeah if if the idea of negging in a 70s movie really bothers you don't watch it yeah Yeah, but, you know, she constantly calls Oliver a preppy, which I think is somewhat derogatory. I'm not really sure. Um, It's, I guess it's, like, as derogatory as, like, saying cracker, like. (laughs) Yeah, or, like, boomer, like. Yeah, like, it's, it doesn't really have all that many teeth, because. Yeah. The, there's the, you know, hierarchy. Yeah, exactly. Punching up. Yeah. But, yes. Yeah, she's always teasing him mm-hmm. and it works like throughout the her. whole movie she calls him preppy yeah it's so cute and that they're like in so much love yeah i i like their chemistry and mm-hmm. um i actually I, the part where i finally realized that why i recognized the theme song was when they were having the sex scene mm-hmm. and that's when i was like oh i know how i know this song other than that i played it <laughs> forever um but I do have to be honest, I found it a little bit difficult to root for Oliver. I liked Jenny a lot and I Yeah. She's so charming. Love he's Oliver. fine. He's okay. He's like He's okay. He's like <laughs> He's like in when we did Fox and the Hound, how they just invented the girl character. Yes. He's yes. like that. He's, he's like, we need a boy, so here yeah. we go. Here's a man. Yeah, and I was constantly distracted by how he kind of looks like Harrison Ford 
mixed mm-hmm. with the guy who plays Warren in the Legally Blonde movie. Um, <laughs> I know, kind of a specific pull, but, like, he looks very adjacent to Harrison Ford. And because it's the 70s, like, that could have been Harrison Ford. Like... My thought about how he looks is, like, when he would make certain faces, I'd be like, oh, he looks like such a dad. Which is it's yeah. not... That doesn't make any sense. Dads come in all different varieties. But mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he looks like a dad. He mm-hmm. needs to be a dad. I think part of it is, like, the 70s fashion, too. Oh, that could be. Because I'm pretty sure our our parents are, like, that age. So the fashion of someone in their 20s in the 70s. Yeah, my mom would have been a little too young, but I do have a really, really excellent picture of my dad's family. And, like, my uncle is wearing, like, a really great, um, what's this part of the garment? You can see what I'm doing. The collar? Yeah, yes. All that shit is so 70s. And his, like, I have to show you. I, anyway, yeah, I I have a picture of my dad's family in their 70s clothes, and it's really cute. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did like um, after the sex scene when Jenny says that he's like right up there with Mozart. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I don't know if she's specifically talking about the sex or just him, but I thought it was like more just him that um, her saying that she thinks he's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the first time that she really says anything, not just flirting, but like more meaningful about that she cares about him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a big statement. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most contentious things about this movie that we need to talk about, like a pretty big through line in terms of the conflict is Oliver's relationship with his dad or lack thereof, mm-hmm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, like some pretty good stories about paternal estrangement and like, you know, going all fuck you, dad. But um, I have to say, I wasn't particularly compelled by Oliver's reasons for hating his father. Like, his dad was kind of a dick. Like, yes, I'm not going to say he was perfect. But I don't know. I was also like, why? I just didn't feel like his, uh, the severity of his reaction was necessarily warranted. Yes, I agree with you. It was worth more of like a, okay, that's rude. We're leaving. Mm-hmm. And then a phone call and a stern talk later. Mm-hmm. But like, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. But I'm in 2021. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. And his relationship with his dad is so tense. They don't like talk. Yeah. And, and he really like, he's, Oliver so like withholding in what he says, which is so obviously a response to how withholding his father is and what mm-hmm. he says. Yeah. And I also think the viewers are supposed to buy into that conflict and that tension and to assume that Oliver knows what he's doing, I guess. And that Oliver knows that his parents are never going to accept Jenny, never going to accept his choice, um, never going to be kind or welcoming to her. And that does he really care about money when their happiness is on the line? Yeah. And, like, the movie skips so much. Mm-hmm. We, like, get the highlights that I wonder if if there's, like, backstory here that yeah. they don't show that would clarify that. 
I agree. I feel like it could be justified with the exact same characteristics from his father if they, I don't know, just like made him more clearly an asshole. Because there was a lot of like tension there where you could tell there was like years of baggage that led to the tension of their relationship at the point where Jenny enters Oliver's life. But there were just a lot of ways where I felt like, yeah, the Barrett dad is an asshole at times, but it also seemed like he was trying so hard. And Oliver's like severe reactions felt a little bit unwarranted, especially when Jenny was so adamant that they like reconcile, you know? Yeah, he could have taken the phone and said, hey, dad, you really hurt me and I'm, I'm not going to accept that kind of behavior from you and we can't have a relationship if you're going to act like that. Yeah. And then that really makes it clear, like, you need to apologize and you need to do better in the future and then we'll talk instead of, like, don't don't call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really wanted them to reconcile, like, when Jenny was on the phone RSVPing to the party for the dad's mm-hmm. 60th birthday. I do think it's really sweet that even though Jenny wanted them to reconcile, Oliver didn't want to subject Jenny to any other tension or, or meanness. Mm-hmm. That he, she was saying, it's okay. And he was saying, it's not okay that they treat you like that. You deserve better. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was maybe also just the, the way that it was written when he described why he didn't like his father. Because... I think there were other ways to put it, but it really sounded like he was like, well, my dad expects me to be a good person and he puts pressure on me to do the right thing. So fuck him. And I'm just kind of like, uh, that's not a reason to hate your father. Yeah. I have to like, I, I really watched the movie, like not looking to criticize, mm-hmm. you know, look like giving that's everyone fair. the benefitest of the doubtest. Yes, that all exactly. of was saying he always wants me to do the right thing, and the right thing was something very specific. Yes, Not, like about being a good person, but about being the right kind of person. Yeah, about being the type of person that can uphold the Barrett name, and like it isn't about actually the quote unquote like morally right thing, but rather like the socially right thing. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, makes sense for their class, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about the music. Oh, um, one more thing, though. Yes. Did you notice that when they go to see his parents, that he and Jenny sit so close together yes. on the couch? And then his parents, his parents are on completely different pieces of furniture on completely different ends of the room. I noticed that. I did take a note about the physical distance between the Barrett parents. That was really good. Like That was a lot of storytelling in one shot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. That was. I think that's really sweet when, in movies, when the, the older generation are like kind of withholding, and then the younger generation are like, "What's up? We're in love." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are very much the cute like epitome of young love. Yeah. Um, and I I like that for them too. Mm-hmm. Okay, talk about the music. Okay. Um. I am kind of going to be a hater for a second. I'm really sorry. Hate. But um, Do it. the way that they used the music was questionable for the majority of the film. Like, they used the same theme pretty much in every 
piece of interstitial music and the way that they would arrange the piece for the mood of each scene didn't seem congruent with what the scene was trying to accomplish, at least from what I could tell. Now, I watched this movie last week, so I can't really recall any specific instances off the top of my head now, but mm -hmm. there was only one instance where I was like, oh, they actually like made everything sound somewhat dissonant in a way that actually fit the scene. There was one instance that I can recall of that specifically, and that's right after Oliver finds out about Jenny's diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And that one, I was like, okay, so you guys can use it in a way that like evokes the emotion <laughs> of the current scene. But then there were so many other instances where I was like, why is this song playing at this moment and being used in this way? It just doesn't like communicate anything significant to me. And then there was mm -hmm. that whole scene where the one time that they use a song that is not the love story theme is like when Oliver is working at the Christmas tree place. I think it's working. It's kind of hard to tell. Mm -hmm. And then it supposedly like turns out that he forgot to get a Christmas tree from work or something. But that whole scene I felt like didn't do anything. And I was very confused about why it was even in the movie. Um, and it used some Christmas song that wasn't the main theme song. But yeah. I think it was there because he got tipped a quarter. Uh-huh. And I think it was there to show that they were struggling with money. Okay. I guess. I guess. But yeah, it's not like they really needed it. It was pretty long to convey that, you know? Yeah. I have no defense of this scene. That's fine. You don't have to defend it. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I also like, I'm not going to join you in your crusade. <laughs> against it but like, it's, it, it's not a crusade it's just like the way that they use <laughs> the theme song really like kind of irked me in moments where i was like this is like the opposite of how up used its theme in like very <laughs> poignant ways there were like maybe it's because i'm so familiar with the piece because i played it for years oh that okay i notice it every time it comes in so i'm paying mm -hmm. attention to it and if it is like kind of weird I, I guess maybe it just distracted me mm -hmm. if okay. if like they didn't do like the sweeping romantic like strings at the moment that you would expect it and instead did did it at like a moment when they're just showing some passage while they walk someplace mm -hmm. and I just was a little confused you yeah know? yeah that's just me that's just me okay but yeah, um, I think the other like big thing that I wanted to talk about was the lack of bodily autonomy for women in the 70s. It's so fucked up. The doctor is like, hey, your wife is dying. And we didn't tell her that because that's for you to know. Right? I was this is horrified. your information, sir. Truly like horrified when they informed her husband that she was dying before her. Yeah, like a full week or two. What the fuck? Her. Oh, God, that really pissed me off. That was, yeah, it's kind of jarring. Yeah, I too. mean, and that's not the movie's mm. fault itself. I recognize that's probably just, like, what the 70s were like. But I was upset. That was actually one of the most deeply upsetting parts of the movie to me emotionally. Yeah, they do, like, a little bit of, like, Jenny makes, like, sexist 
jokes or like mm-hmm. they're not sexist jokes they're making fun of sexism where she says i'm in the kitchen where, where i belong, belong. <laughs> yeah um, that was a great joke yeah but so and that's like fine and i would have expected way more sexism to be leveraged against jenny yeah just casually yeah or oliver's mom mm-hmm. mrs barrett and they didn't do that but then they had this i don't know it's it is really jarring because we don't think about that mm-hmm I think one other thing that was really jarring for me, which I think I've heard of as like one of the most quoted parts of the movie, but but was very strange for me to hear, is the is the part where Jenny says, "Love means never having to say you're sorry." Ooh, what do you? I think? do have things to say about this. I think we're gonna disagree, but I don't think we're gonna. I think it's gonna be fine. Okay, tell me what you think. Okay, um, I was having a conversation once about sibling relationships Mm -hmm. and in the context of grieving this girl had lost her brother and they were so 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 close and she said that at one point he had like crashed her car or something and someone asked if he ever apologized and she was like well no and that person was kind of surprised that he had never apologized and I was like no I I get it when you're close like that you you know he feels terrible he doesn't mm-hmm. need to be punished in any kind of way. It was an accident. He feels so bad. He's more upset about it than you are. That's mm-hmm. your car. You're happy your brother's okay. And he's upset that he caused this problem for you. He doesn't apologize because he's already forgiven. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what it made me think of. And that also when you love someone, you don't do things that you have to apologize for. And that's not like in, in practice always possible. Mm-hmm. but you never hurt somebody you love intentionally mm-hmm. or you're not supposed to. And I think that's what it means. Not that like never apologize to someone you love, mm-hmm. but that the forgiveness, the forgiveness is there. I like that. It's definitely not my perspective, at least when I yeah. initially came across it. Um, but I see what you mean about how there's like an unspoken apology and forgiveness that's like built into the love and the lasting relationship and I can I can appreciate that for sure I have to say when I heard it I was like yo this is the epitome of really bad romance in the 70s yeah like Like, it's messed up it's messed up I wouldn't have had that perspective if I hadn't had that one specific conversation with that girl and the other person but I get that. No, I, I like your spin on it. And I'm really glad that you brought a different definition for this quote so that it's not just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, it could so easily go with, like, never apologize to the people you love. Yeah, I, <laughs> I so can't get behind that. Yeah. No, I can't. No, you, you, you might have to. I think it's also, like, I operate in the school of thought that it is unavoidable to go through the world and live your life without somehow causing pain to other people and having conflict. And so I just feel like the easier it is for us to admit that we are capable of harm, especially because the people who we love and who are closest to us, who spend the most time with us are probably the most vulnerable to any of the harm we might inflict during our time here like i i'm a big proponent of like apologizing frequently yeah and yeah apologies are so important sincerely but Mm -hmm. no i i get i get what 
you're bringing and I really like that I do have to say that is a choice I am making uh-huh. like I would absolutely defend anybody else's interpretation of that's a fucked up line and I do not like this movie because of it. Mm -hmm. That's totally Well, because he brings it back later with his dad. And with your interpretation of it, it's honestly kind of beautiful when he brings that back. After Jenny dies, he quotes her and says the exact same thing to his father after his father says, you know, sorry for the loss of your wife and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There is actually something really beautiful there. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the part that made me cry when really? they brought the line back at, in, in this watch. Yeah. Uh-huh. I only cried the one time in this watch. Um, at that moment, I, I know I cried a lot the first time I watched it, mm-hmm. but this time it was that line when he brings that back to his dad. And I think that they reconcile in the future. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Oliver's still very young, and I think that losing his wife is going to have an impact on him where he realizes, oh, I don't have forever to make up with my dad, and maybe I would like to do that someday. Yeah, and it also brought his back, it spurred his dad into coming back Mm -hmm. and supporting his son. Yeah. Through an emotional thing, which maybe they haven't really done for each other before. Yeah. I also wanted to talk about a part of the relationship with um, Jenny and Oliver that I really liked where they're flirting. It's actually not a part where they're flirting, but it's in that stage of their relationship early in the movie Mm -hmm. where Oliver calls out Jenny for putting up a glass wall to avoid being hurt, but it also causes her to not be touched. Mm -hmm. I really liked that. And I really wish that there was more about that breakdown in becoming vulnerable in their relationship. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. They just say that and then they move into the part of their relationship where they're closer. Mm -hmm. Like kind of immediately they don't really go very deep into that. But yeah, I like that too. Oh, I also like um, when they're talking about religion Mm -hmm. and Jenny says, I never thought there would be a world better than this one. I know. What? What a beautiful way to go through life, to just be in love with it. Yeah. It's hard to do that now when there's so much news. Oh, yeah. I think it's a little different now. It is kind of hard to feel like this is the best that you could get. Yeah. Um, As far as, like, world building goes. (laughs) There's, like, like way too much fantasy literature for that to hold anymore. But I thought that line was really, really sweet. And it made me like Jenny a lot that she mm-hmm. um, she just loved life and was happy. And especially in contrast to Oliver's like plenty of money and still sad situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which like in real life, money does make you happy until a certain point. Yes. Um, Having <laughs> but... basic security and like physical needs met can leave space for happiness to blossom. Yeah. And Jenny does have those things. Like, she's not... She has her needs met. Yeah, she's not destitute. Yeah. She's just not, like, rich. Yeah, but I thought the line was really nice. Again, in context of this 1970s movie. Yeah. I really like how much she loves classical music. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Actually, oh, I really wish that they had act, they had shown her playing the love story theme song on piano. Oh, that would have been so sweet. Wouldn't that have been amazing? That would have been adorable. Yeah. yeah. We have this is my this is now my number one critique of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> they missed the opportunity to do that. Yeah, instead of the Christmas tree scene, they could have had her playing at the piano and have her play their theme song and then maybe like a montage of Oliver being like tipped really poorly, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I have edits for this movie that has uh, been out for over 50 years. <laughs> Hire me, though. <laughs> Hire me to fix your 70s movie. <laughs> uh, I think if they adapted this movie to the modern day, I would hate it. <laughs> oh, probably. I mean. <sighs> yeah. Um, I really only have one other big, like, emotional moment in this film that I responded to. And that was when Jenny's father says to Oliver in the hallway of the hospital, I wish I hadn't promised Jenny to be strong for you. Yeah. Like, that made me well up a little bit. I felt I felt a little bit of moisture appear at that moment. It really tugged at my heartstrings. Like if they had like maybe held on him like another two seconds, I might have cried. That moment made me wonder if they stayed in each other's lives. Yeah, I hope they did. Yeah, like if Oliver said, hey, I um, kind of need a better dad mm. and you need a kid mm-hmm. and we can solve that problem for each other. And mourn Jenny together. Yeah. 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 That and that how beautiful. Jenny's dad was so upset that they were estranged. That he probably could have helped them repair their relationship. True. True. I do love how... I do love... What was his name? Phil. Yeah. Yeah. I love how Phil responded to finding out about the relationship between Oliver and his dad. Yeah. Just being like, that's unacceptable. I was like, oh, you sweet summer child. (laughs) It's so cute. Mm -hmm. And I like how Phil said, God would bless this union in any church. Mm -hmm. I love how supportive he was. Yeah, he was like, I don't really understand it, but I love you and I accept you. Mm -hmm. Even if you're atheists, which, why? But okay. I don't get it, but, but I love you. Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and at their wedding, the poem that Jenny read, I, I looked it up because I really liked it. Oh, yeah. It's by Elizabeth Barrett Browning, which I believe is the poet that she was referring to when he said his name is Oliver Barrett. And she said, like, the poet. And he said, no relation. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I guess she picked the, a Barrett poem. That's beautiful. To read at their wedding. Isn't that cute? It's like a little detail that I wouldn't have known unless I had access to the internet. Mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay, I think I hit all my notes. Okay. I think I hit all my relevant notes. My only my only little fun thing that I just want to tack on at the end here is Jenny's little like early Cher Hollowitz outfit. I don't know if you've ever seen Clueless, but of course I've seen Clueless. the iconic Her name is Horowitz. Yes, Mabel. the the iconic yellow plaid outfit. I definitely noticed when Jenny was wearing the yellow plaid outfit. I was like, oh, 
I did not notice a yellow plaid outfit you at didn't? any time. How did I miss that? Oh, gosh. I, I was tuned into the fashion. I really liked when he when she took her coat off at Oliver's parents' house in her, like, red dress. I was yes. like, oh, she's fancy. That's so cute. So cute. Yeah, I really liked the fashion the in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, good costuming. Thank you. Yeah, it was cute. Yeah. All righty. Well, I'm ready for ratings if you are. Let's go to ratings. I'm going to refresh the listeners on the rating scale. One teardrop is bone dry. Two teardrops is I could see myself crying, but I didn't. Three, it got me a little. Four, I cried. And five, full sobbing. Maybell, how would you rate Love Story? I think I'm going to have to give Love Story an all-time low of probably like 1.3 or something i that's incredible tell us more yeah um i mean like i i started to feel a little tug on my heartstrings um like i said earlier in that scene with phil and oliver in the hospital but i didn't cry and my i my eyes were bone dry like wow i'm gonna i'm gonna boost it out of a plane 1.0 because i will say that there was a moment where i was like oh Oh, I might get there. I might actually start crying, but then I didn't. So I'll give it a 1.3. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) What about you, Kimia? I have to give it a historic high of like four and plus. Because I I mean, the first time I watched it, I really, really cried. I mean, I was super emotional because of all the things that had happened in my life. Fair. And that I was in the thick of my boyfriend's cancer situation mm-hmm. and then I did cry again watching it this week very nice um, I wouldn't expect that I would have cried without having those previous experiences yeah but it did make me cry and I have to award it it's four plus teardrops wow I don't think we've had a rating go like this before like usually no, if think... you're in the fours I'm in the fives yeah so yeah wow unprecedented times that we are living in here at tearjerkers <laughs> that's it all righty well before we do our closing segment we should probably take a break let's take a break this week's episode of tearjerkers is brought to you by trying to escape your seasonal depression with a shotgun wedding um one of my friends is talking about marriage mm-hmm. and it's really nice to think about a wedding it is. When you're seasonally depressed. I agree. That's a mood booster. Yeah. I have two friends who are engaged, um, one with a wedding date set and one without. And it is really exciting to think, oh, hey, in the next year, maybe I'll get to see my mm-hmm. friends in person <laughs> at a wedding after we're all vaccinated and we can safely like travel again. I'm so excited for my high school best friend's wedding Because it'll be the first time that I get to see her and several of our other friends in person in, like, years. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's lovely. (laughs) I actually picked this ad break because in the Love Story movie, it looks like their entire courtship happens within the span of winter. Mm -hmm. Like... It's maybe in the fall at the beginning when they meet at the library and then they get married and it's still snowy outside. So 
in the span of like six months or so. And I'm like, hmm. Different times. Different times, different times. But also like, yeah, a cure for seasonal depression is falling in love, I guess. Yeah, it's cuffing season. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing. Mm-hmm. It's a phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, you're, you're correct. It was very quick. I still refuse to criticize it. That's fair. I mean, actually, now that I think about it, my partner and I started dating in the winter and we went from like very casually seeing each other to being quite committed in the span of like three or four months in the Mm -hmm. winter. Uh, I don't consider myself someone who is affected by seasonal affective depression or disorder. Um, I'd have more of a general malaise. Mm -hmm. It's not seasonal. Um, But yeah, I guess like the shoe could fit. The shoe could fit. I also Mm -hmm. fell in love in the fall and then moved in with someone maybe within six months, I think. Yeah? Yeah, I can't really remember the timeline because I'm so bad at that but yeah mm-hmm. it was it was quick mm-hmm. I we didn't get married but yeah I can't judge my partner and I didn't get married either but yeah it was a very quick falling in love in the winter <laughs> I guess then you couldn't have moved in together without being married yeah like yeah 50 years ago it was kind of different yeah mm-hmm now, like, you can live with the same person for years, and California doesn't have common law marriage, so, like, mm-hmm. you'll because never Because of be celebrities. Forced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have so many things because of celebrities. We have, like, high rates of orthodontic surgery because of celebrities. Interesting. Or, like, getting braids, not just surgery, but orthodontics in general. hmm I yeah, see. because of celebrities, the Hollywood effect. The Hollywood effect. That's why people say Californians are, like hotter than non-Californians. Yeah, because we pay for it. Yeah, yeah, because we are all socially pressured by L.A. Yeah. Yep, yep, that tracks, that tracks. <laughs> but anyway, um, if anybody is uh, getting married this winter, not this winter, if anybody is getting married outside of a pandemic in winter, I would like to attend. Mm-hmm. I would love a winter wedding. Not like for me to throw one, but like to attend one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to nice. go to one where there's snow and then the bride has like a fur <gasps> situation. It doesn't have to be real. Like I'm not, <sighs> a, you know, I I've mean, seen pictures. I'll, if I can find the photo shoot, I'll send you pictures. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to the show. Okay, today we're closing with what made us cry this week. Maybell, what's got you teary-eyed recently? So what's got me crying this week? Um, it was actually today. I was being a little bit foolish, I'm going to say. Um, I wasn't, like, properly eating on time. I'd maybe had, like, an banana. Um, and it was, like, 3 or 4 p.m. Um, so I was hungry and sad. And you know how sometimes when you get hungry and sad, you start thinking that like everybody hates you and mm-hmm. like everything is your fault. So I was having like, I was having some of that going on. And then I was listening to another podcast that brought up a TikTok account that I have actually seen before. And it reminded me of how much I loved that content and listening to them talk about it brought some new tears to my eyes. Anyway, so the TikTok account is called Your Korean Dad. 
Oh, I love that one. It's so cute. It's so wholesome and like so sweet. And he has like 2 million followers, of course, which makes sense. Uh But like just listening to some of the audio that they took off of his videos made me tear up. I am, I'm not Korean. I'm pretty sure most of his 2 million followers are not Korean, but we all love our Korean dad. Yeah, he's wonderful. Like, yeah. So, um... In case you are one of the very few people who've not heard of your Korean dad, I will link his profile in our show notes um, because he's what really pushed me over the edge from like just the general sadness of being hungry and feeling insecure because you're hungry and then thinking about how wholesome his content is. He's really great. Hey, it's your Korean dad. Hey, it's your Korean dad. It's really cute. Oh, he like kind of reminds me of my dad. And like, I can't figure out why they're not similar. My dad doesn't say sentences that my Korean dad says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is nothing like my father. Um, I still have a great feel. relationship with my father, but it is completely different. Yeah, and I, I love his stuff. Yeah. So that's what's got me crying this week. What about you, Kimia? Oh, I cried so much. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Um, I cried a lot. I think I was getting COVID depressed mm. because I got scared again and wasn't going out and doing social, yeah. even socially distant, but social things that I had been doing before. Yeah. Um, I had just been staying home and then I uh, realized I can't do that mm. if I want to be happy. Yeah. So, So that was really getting to me. Um, and then I cried on the phone to my mom for like a full hour on my birthday because I was so sad. Oh gosh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. It was like the morning I like took a half day from work. I was like, I'm too depressed. I like don't want to get out of bed. Usually I can get out of bed even if I'm not in a great mood, but mm-hmm. mm, not that day. Yeah. Um, but I felt so much better after I talked to her and she pointed out a couple things that I was like, oh yeah, I can do that instantly. And that probably will make me feel better in the coming days. And they did. Oh, what? like what? Oh, like strengthening my social connections. I haven't been doing my socially distant outdoor yoga class or my socially distant outdoor friend hangouts or anything like that. So I'm going to reinstate some of those habits. And that's good. That's good. Things will be better. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. Well, I think that's all, folks. Did you like Love Story? Did you think that it utilized its musical themes effectively? You can tell us how you feel by hitting us up on Twitter at tearjerkers underscore pod. And you can join the conversation with other listeners on Facebook at tearjerkers community. If you want to send us a voice memo with your movie nomination and why that film made you cry, you can send that to tearjerkers.podcast at gmail.com. And if you can, please give us a five-star review or rating on whatever you use to listen to us so we can reach more ears. And don't forget to subscribe or favorite so you can be sure to catch the next episode. And as always, tell your friends about this podcast. Tell someone you know who loves 70s romance movies about this podcast. Or if you know anyone who won't talk to their father for understandable reasons, tell them to listen to us. Tear Jerkers is produced by me, Maybell Shimizu, and co-hosted by me and Kimia Ranchbaron. And another thank you to the wizard behind our intro music and the editing hero of this podcast, Gage Pryor. You can find more of his tunes at soundcloud.com slash Thanks for listening. Call your dad.
so when I was talking to my mom, we were talking about like, at what point do you seek medication? Mm-hmm. And I was <laughs> like, she suggested it. And I was telling her like, no, the depression is coming from outside the house. Like, it's not. <laughs> It's not from my head. This is a normal response to the yeah. things that are happening in the world. And I don't feel motivated to medicate that away. That's fair. Like, that's keeping me safe. Mm-hmm. Kind of. And miserable. But 